Welcome back to That Rugby Podcast, hosted by The Sports Booth. My name is Luke, my co-host is Husey, our Wallaby supporter, <laughs> who's had his team selected, which we're going to deep dive into, um, yeah. but we obviously had a very special video come out very recently, Husey, on our yeah. YouTube channel, which more people need to see, I think. Well, um, it was a very, very special video. I've been, I've started doing some spruiking, I've done a little bit of spruiking, for it, obviously, um, but I think the the best what what we could take away from this video, there's a few things we could take away from this video. Um, the first is is that the parallels between rugby and baking are multilateral. All right, there was <laughs> so many great comparisons uh, to be made. You know, preparation being key, having the right tools for the job, doing a bit of research beforehand. Um, even yourself, one of the, I, I have to say, I was very impressed that you, uh, thought ahead enough to make two Pavlovas. Um, <laughs> unfortunately that wasn't enough to pick up for how terrible they both were, but it was, it showed some ingenuity on your behalf. Um, I have to admit, I was very nervous going into this cause I, I'd, I'd never baked Pavlova before. Um, but then I, then I saw your video <laughs> And I was just like, what was I ever scared about? <laughs> I mean, like with the final shot of your Pavlova, I honestly, if you'd just shown me that picture, I wouldn't have known it was Pavlova. I would have thought it was Tzatziki uh, with the kiwi fruit looking like chopped up cucumber. Um, it was, I, I honestly felt so bad for Gemma having to try that. And you could see she was really struggling to find something positive to say. Um, I, I I just yeah. If if I'd known that, that she was going to have to experience that, I probably would have vetoed this challenge <laughs> just, to, just to just to spare her because uh. no one deserves that. Um, but it was you know it was it was good fun. There's some good content there. Uh, some good uh, banter between between the both of us. Uh, even though we were recording separately, I think we both took a bit of a trash talking route, which is good. Um, so it's on the Sports Booth YouTube channel and on our Instagram page. There's some clips as well. So go ahead and check that out uh, if you haven't already. Um, and the overall context of it is that this is part of our Sports Booth Bledisloe competition, uh, where we're going to be doing some challenges and doing our own version of uh, the Bledisloe, uh, because obviously I'm Australian, Luke's Kiwi, um, and that sort of thing's fun to do. Um, I do want to point out that, and I want to make it very clear here that the pavlova is an Australian dish, and this challenge <laughs> conclusively proved it. Conclusively proved yeah. it. Uh, and as I said in the video as well, the recipe that you chose for us both to follow was in the subcategory of Australian foods. So I'm going to blame that on Google because I'm obviously Googling from Australia, so it just thinks I'm an Australian. Mm. So I'm blaming that on Google. I'm also blaming my performance on, as you said, not being prepared and having the right tools. Um, it was kind of like if New Zealand selected their Z team to perform um, for the All Blacks against the Wallabies. That's what it felt like uh, now looking back at the video and watching your lovely pair versus mine. But yes, you do take a convincing um, one nil lead. Like if I was to say how big the lead would have been or how, what the scoreline was, I would have said it was about a seventy to eighty nil performance for the Wallabies against the Kiwis. So, so a classic, a classic big, big, that's, big victory. I, that's, that's very generous. I wasn't thinking that much. I was thinking 
55 to 7. No, you know, mate. I, don't, okay. I, I looked at, honestly, 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 my, the, the judging gave me a 4. It deserved a 1. Like, it was, it was that bad. It was, it doesn't, it didn't, I didn't put any points on the board. My attack was poor. Okay. We, we, we had holes for our defense. It was, it was disastrous. All right. Well, look, I, I, I thought you, you did some things right. I was giving you some credit for, for doing two Pavlovas, learning a bit from your mistakes. That's where I, that's where I gave you a try, essentially. <laughs> you learned, you learned there, um, and, and so obviously you did, and you improved. That's the key there. You improved. So you, I, I thought you did put at least some points on the board. Maybe a penalty goal. Maybe penalty goal. I think yeah, we'll go, we'll go fifty-five to three to make me feel yeah. better. But yes, one nil. Um, so all to play for for me in the next two challenges that we have coming up. Um, but shall we move on to the real rugby? Yes. Let's skip over that terrible performance put on by the New Zealander and get on to the rugby from the weekend. So there yep. was a total of six games, um, two, I guess, headliner games, I would say, mm. from the Summer Nation series where you had England versus Wales at Twickenham and France versus Scotland in France. But to kick us off, Tonga played Canada on the Thursday night and won 28-3 to yep. kind of... They're probably not the most dominating Tongan performance, but to uh, good preparation for a World Cup, beating a team that's not at the World Cup, not their strongest yeah. team named, but all stepping stones, and they did have a red card in the 45th minute. So a learning curve for them. experience. Exactly. Okay. Getting um, those game minutes under the belt for those players. Totally. So I think George Mawala was who, uh, former All Black, got the red card. So... I didn't actually see the incident, but will be interesting to see if he misses any game time as well, like a red card we will talk about later on. Then Georgia uh, made easy work of Romania, 56-6, I believe it was. Yep, um, correct. To really flex their, yeah. I reckon, second-tier muscles that Georgia have, because um, Romania are at the World Cup. Um, yep. So a big win for them, and in a pool, a very interesting pool uh, with you... It's become it's become really a, a very interesting pull over the last couple of weeks with some of these results, you know, with Fiji performing well, with Wales rediscovering some form, um, and now and Georgia we know has been on the rise over the last couple of years as well. Um, I feel bad for Portugal, who's the other team, in that pool. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it, it's 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 suddenly seeming like it's not going to be as easy of a walkthrough for the Wallabies as we thought, which to be honest, is is good. Like, if you can get some of those challenging games against not Tier 1 teams, but it's still challenging for your team, I think that's really good for building this team up. Totally, totally, yeah. So, an interesting pull there. Then we had the first headline game, which you could have easily put on the undercard because, fuck, uh, it was a miserable game. So, it was 19-17 to 17 in the end, England over Wales. The first <laughs> half was about the worst half of footy I've seen in a very long time. And there was a time where England were down to 12 men when they had three yellow cards, or two yellow cards at once, then got upgraded to a red. And still managed to find a way to win, so not good for Wales, but not a good game for both teams. Like, yep. Didn't give me a lot of belief for both teams going into, so much so that uh, you may have seen on our Instagram page that I moved them down both down the rankings to ninth and 10th in our power, international power rankings below Fiji, um, who, as you said, are in your pool. Both uh, Fiji and Australia. Yeah, Australia don't play and they move up. They'll be loving that. Um, the second game of our headliners was a very good game, though. France versus Scotland. Yeah. Two teams. Scotland, man, I mean, 
underestimate them at your own peril, I think, is going to be the war cry for them. That's in France, which, as I've said before, is a very hard place to win. But teams are competing, and it was a very impressive Scott. Like, I took more away from the Scottish performance than France. Like, what I saw from France was... France can still get the job done. They haven't lost yeah. anything over the past year. Although they lost to Ireland in Ireland in the Six Nations, they're still home for a home World Cup looking really good. What I took from Scotland was like, if they can do this against France in France with pretty much France's top team, I think there was one or two pieces missing, I go, they can definitely beat South Africa or Ireland on the day. So, yeah. look, it's going to be an interesting World Cup. But a great game and a I mean, great entertainment. Listen, listen to the pool that Scotland is in. It's South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, and Romania. So, I mean, that is an explosive pool. I'd say that's... You said so, say sorry for Portugal, but for Romania. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry Pray for Romania. For I mean, I think that's the toughest pool in this competition. I mean, pool A is, is probably the second pool with New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia, right? But yeah. you've got... Three tier one teams there in South Africa, Ireland, Scotland. You've got Tonga who's knocking on the door of that. And you've got, you know, I guess your poor minnow, Romania. But I mean, I'd love to see an upset from them. But, <laughs> you know, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, anytime those teams play, it's going to be much, much, ah, must watch footy, you know? Like, what anything could happen there. Like, Scotland can, Scotland could take games from teams like South Africa and Ireland. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's going to be that pool is going to be really interesting to that see how the games pool play of out. death. Pool, is. pool B is officially the pool of death. Yeah, yeah, that's the pool I wouldn't want to be in. Um, two final games that run ran us out were Portugal versus USA, which Portugal won forty six to twenty, uh, which is again good prep for a Mino nation beating a team that's not there. And then finally, Namibia beat Chile twenty eight twenty six, as those two teams got prepped. Yep. So six good games of footy this week. Um, who have we got? Who's playing this weekend? Actually, I know neither of our uh, teams. We have got this weekend on the twentieth of August: Wales versus South Africa, Ireland versus England. That'll be a good one. Um, Wales versus South Africa won't be bad either. Italy versus Romania and France versus Fiji. And then later in the week, we have actually Tuesday this week. We have got Tonga yes. versus Canada. Um, and we also have Uruguay versus the Argentina 15 and Georgia versus the USA. And Samoa versus the Barbarians. Didn't know they were opening game there. But cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Wales versus South Africa, Ireland versus England, and France versus Fiji will all be really interesting to see yeah. all those teams in action. France versus Fiji, I'm going to be watching probably pretty closely, um, the replay at least, uh, because that will be interesting. My friend, my friend, last week we discussed the All Black squad. This week, yeah. your Wallabies have ne- been named. I'm going to let you kick us off with your initial thoughts. I have, We haven't discussed this yet. This is the yes. first time you're going to hear both of our thoughts because um, we have not discussed this yet. Um, but let us know your thoughts, my friend. Yes. So, obviously, there's two glaring uh, drops in this in this squad. That is the talk of the town. Their last names even rhyme. It's Hooper and Cooper, right? Are uh, the the drops of this team now? One of them is injury. One of them is form. Hoops uh, has been has been left behind with his calf injury, so he's obviously not recovering from that. And I think a lot of people will be questioning, well, why don't you take him over in case he gets healthy? Look, I think 
with this squad, it's important. They need to be together. They need to be training together and not have someone there who's held back by injury. And he might not recover in time for any of the games. You know, calf injuries can take a while to to heal from. They're nasty injuries, right? Um, and it is very sad for Michael Hooper. I would love to see him there, but I don't. Eddie hasn't shut the door. I think I think he said he can still be called up. Like this, I think that's important to know is that these this squad might may not be. Final. I think you can still make adjustments, but I saw something where he's he's sort of left the door open for both Hooper and Cooper, because Cooper he's dropped based on form. It seems there's no injury news from Cooper, but I will say, other than his 58 meter um, kick, there hasn't been the same Cooper that we even saw last year before his injury. Right? It, it's just he hasn't been having the impact, um, and I think. Eddie's said enough from Carter Gordon to say that he's the he's an 80-minute player, um, and will uh, will give him the the run of things. Um, Cooper is probably the bigger shock, I would say, because he's not injured um, for for most people, and the fact that you're now putting it all on Carter Gordon, who was uncapped before this year. Uh, but you know, such is life in in rugby, and it's very much a nod towards the youth movement uh, that Eddie is ushering in in preparation for the next. World Cup, and we're seeing this elsewhere as well. Uh, you know, in the in the halfbacks, um, or I guess it's not really that much of a youth movement, right? But you know, no Jake Gordon and no Lonigan taken either. Uh, but instead, uh, bringing along a Western Force player, Isaac uh, Fines Lele Iwasa. I think that's how I pronounce his name. Yep. Apologies Correct. if I butchered that pronunciation. Uh, but he's also got versatility to play wing because he's got some speed on him, which I like. I do love a speedy halfback. Uh, and it's a, it's a definitely a, a, a something out of left field, um, yeah. but I guess he just hasn't seen he's not been impressed by Lonigan uh, in the training that they've done. Um, and then probably the addition that's got most tongues wagging is Max Jorgensen, who's recovered now from injury. Um, I think he would have been part of this rugby championship squad if he hadn't been injured, um, and. Look, that's just that he can really be an X factor, man. Like we've seen even at a, such a young age how he's been playing in the Super Rugby level. Uh, like this, he already established himself as one of the Waratahs' best players, uh, and he's got that chemistry as well with Nwangani Tawase um, and Parisi. If Parisi gets run in the centers too, so I think that's really that that's that's a really big one uh, for me. That's an inclusion. Um, other than that, elsewhere. Uh, not too many surprises, I think you'd have to say. Um, you know, the the front row is as we expected, uh, given the loss of Alatoa. The hookers are as we expected, really. I mean, I think there was a case for the other Lonigan to 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 be in there, but I think I think I, I'm quite fine with the um, hookers that Eddie's taking along. Second row, again, no surprises there. It was always going to be Skilton, Arnold, and Frost. And whoever the fourth one was, you know, can't really put anyone past Matt Phillip, really. No one else is really sticking their hands up. Lucy's, again, you know, minus Michael Hooper due to injury. So that sort of is what it is. And they're taking along Josh Kameni in that utility role. I think Ben Donaldson is the biggest question mark for a lot of people. And even for me, uh, with bringing him along as that utility um, instead of Quaid, uh, I guess I sort of question what Donaldson brings over Quade Cooper. 
Like, yes, I know Donaldson has played some fullback this year, but you're also taking along Pattaya and Callaway and Jorgensen, all three of whom have also played fullback. Uh, so that's what I sort of question with bringing Donaldson along. I guess Eddie sees potential in Donaldson yeah. uh, and wants more of the youth and youth movement within the team. Um, I guess overall, one of my thoughts on this, my sort of overriding thought is that, yes, there's a lot of youth and inexperience on this team, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing given recent history and form with the Wallabies. And it's it's one of the things I brought up when Skelter was brought in the team, um, one of the quotes that he had, and I think it's important to highlight this because he's now the captain of the team, which is another huge shock. But what he said when he came into the team is that from his time playing in France, that every time he steps on a rugby field, he expects to win now, which is not something he necessarily experienced before in Australia. So I think by having a lot of these young guys in there, especially young guys that experience success at the Super Rugby level with winning games and making it to finals and things like that. Uh, I think that's a bit of a difference to pre to other Wallabies who maybe have have been around for a long time, who are, have it in their mind of just like, oh, you know, it's, it's one of the things like, you, you know, if you get beaten enough times, you come to expect it, totally. um, I guess. Figure so, out how to win. I, exactly. So they, you know, these, these kids, they don't, they don't, it's not ingrained to them. The, the same mistakes of, how the Wallabies lose games. Totally. Um, so overall, it's it's exciting. I mean, that's the, that's the whole thing about Eddie's tenure so far is it's been exciting. You can't say that it hasn't been exciting. Um, and it's it's uh, it's unexpected, but uh, it's it's making me look forward to to the World Cup and seeing how this team runs, uh, especially you know in the, in their pool games. Like that's going to be the, the real chance to see them grow. I think the friendly game against. France on the 28th of August as well will be really uh, a good window into what we can expect from this team too. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very young team. It's a very, very young team, which yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I actually don't think it's a bad thing. Um, France I'm... pulled a similar thing in 2018, 2019 around then. Uh, so, and they, they, I mean, we could see what they're doing now. So I don't exactly. necessarily think it's a bad thing. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give my impressions now, which I don't think we're too far apart. My, exactly what you said with a lot of the things, I think there's a lot of good. I don't think it's the worst thing. Like you look back at 2019 Rugby World Cup and there's, I think there were seven surviving Wallabies from that World Cup. So there's 26 guys who haven't played at a World Cup. I go, that last World Cup, 2019 World Cup, you got beaten well in the quarters by England. Were we ever expecting you to win? No. So why should a whole big contingent be coming into this yeah. World Cup? The issues I kind of have, one of them is some of these players, a.k.a. the one you highlighted, Ben Donaldson, why didn't we see him in the Rugby Championship? Yeah. Now, now I, I understand it, and I, you can make an easy argument. You go, Eddie was looking at Quaid and going, this is your shot to put your number on the jersey and get yourself over. He didn't do it. So he said, bugger it, I'd rather take Ben Donaldson and if I need to play him, play him. If not, I don't. Yeah. He's going to obviously play at some point at first five. Carter Gordon is not going to start every single game at first five. Yeah. I think you'd be silly to do it that way. I think Carter Gordon is going to start every meaningful game. So I think it means that every game bar Romania, 
He's going to start, or Portugal, was it Portugal in your pool? Portugal. Every game bar, bar Portugal, he'll probably be starting because I think Georgia, Fiji, um, Wales, Wales, all well and truly, you know, tough teams to beat. So I think they play those, those teams at least, Carter Gordon will start. I love Will Skelton being captain, I think, yeah. by far and away, the best player for the Wallabies for the Rugby Championship. Um and like you said, just his experience in France, a lot of very smart things from that. Um, I don't mind the, the – we, we, we talked about it, I think, last last week when we said what position bolters, and I said uh, Kerbalo maybe is that third scrum half because mm. we knew there was an option. I Yeah, and I know he's got Donaldson listed as utility, but I go – I definitely think he's the second first five there. Um, I just go, is there no one better than him as a number first five? And I think that's, a, that's an issue. You know, you look back and you go – we used to always talk about your locks. Now we're li- literally just looking at first five and going, like, I don't, you can't tell me a Noel Olaseo isn't better than Ben Donaldson. Like, as much as I know Eddie's moved away from it, or a Jack Debrasini, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the question mark that raise I out think, instantly. Well, Donaldson has played some games for the Wallabies before, um, whereas Debrasini hasn't. Uh, and just with Noah, I think Eddie has just. Noah's had all super rugby season to put his hand up to be selected. And he hasn't done that when Eddie. But you're we saying saw one, Donaldson has, I think towards the end of the season, he definitely stepped up. He improved towards the back end of the season. Um, and I think his flexibility to be able to play fullback as well. has put him over the line there. Like I think they would be, because it, Noah even sort of lost his primacy of position to Debrasini, right? I think he sort of slipped away in importance in the Brumbies' plans. Like even in their semi-final match, yeah, he was he, was, he slipped away. He wasn't their primary ten. So then, I, just and, just then, if you're ranking first fives in Australia, how are you ranking them? So Carter Gordon obviously won. Carter Gordon won, and then. I mean, it's it is probably Donaldson second at the moment. Like I look around, I think Debrasini would be close behind. I think just the fact that he hasn't played in a Wallabies jersey yet is, and the fact that Donaldson can also play fullback is what has given Donaldson the edge for Eddie Jones. I think skill wise, I think Debrasini can be better. Yeah. Um. Like I think he's. I think if this was next year, I think. Debrasini would probably get the nod. Um, like if, if Eddie had more games to test out Debrasini, I'd say maybe Debrasini gets gets a look there. Um, yeah, but I think... So yeah, you think I, Donaldson has... Is there, and, that's, and that's, I guess, my issue with the Wallabies right now is if Donaldson's your second best first five... Again, this isn't me going at Donaldson. I just don't think Donaldson's world class yet. Like no. when when you look at it, I go Carter Gordon's getting to the point of world class. You look at all the good teams in the world right now: Ireland, Johnny Sexton, you know, France, Roman Intermuck, uh, South Africa, who have an issue of, of themselves with Andre Pollard out. So they've got you know like Manny Leboc. Is he going to um, take them there? New Zealand have free world-class first fives, you know. It's just, to me, Scotland, even 15 in the world, Finn Russell. So I go, if Carter Gordon was to go down, I just, I think that's your tournament done, you know. And that's, again, similar to what Aaron Smith is for us. Yeah, and it's like, that's, but that's that's the 
and we've been dealt. You know, the, what can Eddie do from there? He, he clearly doesn't have that confidence in Quade Cooper. I mean, Quade has made a number of mistakes in these rugby championship games that have been costly. Totally, totally. And, I, uh, and, and, this and, is... and, and that's not to say that Carter Gordon hasn't made mistakes. He definitely has while he's being blooded. But he's improved every he's improved every game that he's had significant minutes in, and his ceiling is higher than what Quade's currently is. You know, because just yep. due to age and totally. and past injuries. Um, I'm just going to take you through some stats because I thought you know we've discussed it pretty heavily the inexperience of this Wallabies team. Now, um, obviously, 33 players in the squad. Out of the 33 players, they have 645 caps between them, which gives them 20 caps on average each. Compared to the All Blacks, who have 1370 caps between them, which is an average of about 40 each. So obviously, you know, very inexperienced. But to me, that's not an issue. Like, we've talked about it. That can be a really good thing. You're a bit more naive. You're a bit more willing to to do whatever it takes. You're a bit more everything. You're younger you're blooded, there's a World Cup at home, it all makes sense. The issue that stands out for me, and I thought about this, is a topic we've talked about, which is winning. Now, winning in the green and gold jersey. Now, I put up a stat on Instagram, and that's 39% of the squad, so 13 players out of the 33, have not won in a green and gold jersey. Now, there's three debutants, obviously, haven't had a chance. Out of the squad as well, um, 58% haven't won more than five games in the green and gold jersey. Now, Husey, I just have a question for you. How many games does it take to win to win a Rugby World Cup? Four pool games, yeah? Yep. A quarterfinal. Uh, yeah, so seven. So seven. There is 64% of the squad have not won more than seven games in a green and gold jersey. So that means basically two-thirds of the squad haven't done that. So a third of the squad understands how it takes – how how to win seven games in a green and gold jersey. Now, again, it doesn't mean the world, obviously. It's just another point where I'm like, man, this is such... This is going to... If you win, it's a story for the ages. This will be yep. one of the most inexperienced Tier 1 nations. I mean, even to, to get to to get to get a semi-final or a final would be a hell of a story. Oh, 100%. And that's more and more saying now. And I, I just wanted to... Because I was like... Is is this just is this just the Wallabies? I'll compare it to the All Blacks. The All Blacks, obviously, all of them have won a game. No debutants, they've all won a game. Fifteen percent of the squad have won. So this is five players less than five games, and eighteen percent six players have won less than seven. So eighteen uh, percent of the squad. So that means you know eighty two percent of the squad have won enough games to know exactly what winning seven games and winning a Rugby mm. World Cup would do. Again, not not saying that it's such a negative thing. It is. It would help if you've won in the green and gold jersey and understanding what winning is. It doesn't mean the world, like you know, like you've said, your pool is an easy enough pool. You could end up in a quarterfinal with an England, Argentina, Japan, whatever, and easily end up making a semifinal, which would be so valuable for these players going into the next World Cup. But to me, to kind of wrap up why I did these stats, I think Eddie Jones has made his selections for the 2027 World Cup, not for the 2023, which the only thing that disappoints me is what Eddie Jones has come in and said this whole time since he's been there, is we're going to win this World Cup. 
You know, like we're going to the World Cup to win it. And I just don't think the squad has been fully selected to do that. Now, he's had his hand tied behind his back with injuries. I totally get that. And performances. But in my eyes, he has selected a squad to win a 2025 British and Irish Lions series and set themselves up for success in 2027, which is definitely not a bad thing. Yeah. Just an interesting point. I, I Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for me, if when I look at this squad and I think what changes could be made to, to win the win this world cup where would i make a change to win this world cup right that's not that's not challenged by injury right because obviously you'd put alan alatoa in there uh if you could if he wasn't injured for me maybe michael hooper michael hooper is i mean but again that's injury again that is he's be he'd be the first person if he was healthy i would select michael hooper like, but I also think so. Like this, and this is, and again, this is this is me looking at the squad and looking at the numbers. Tom Hooper came in at the rugby championship. wasn't didn't really like was a starting ish six or a, definitely in that loose yeah. forward trio of the Brumbies. Didn't have a great game against South Africa. For, played for thirty minutes, got pulled. I know he had a shoulder injury. Or anything. He improved his next game, which I think was against the All Blacks yeah. in Melbourne. And then definitely had his best game, but uh, in the in Dunedin. But I go three games, and all of a sudden, where Wallabies fans are hyping this guy up like he's something special, and I'm like, you had Pete Summer who led one of the greater comebacks in Melbourne last year at Marvel Stadium. They're playing good footy, and he's decided to go. And I get it, going for youth and going for a guy who I think fits his style better. But yeah. like a guy like Pete Summer, I sit there and I go, how like. How was he not in that group? How, like, Jed Holloway, we had said he can play rugby. He's a good rugby player. Jake Gordon, a great rugby player. And he's gone away from those guys. And again, for a bit of an experience, an experience or a bit of youth, well, different. So for me, I think you could fit Holloway in over Kameni. I um, yep. I don't, the Kameni's selection, I mean, he played decently when he had his limited minutes in a game. Uh, with the Jake Gordon one, look, we've said time and time again, he is a rugby player, but when he pulls on a green and gold jersey, he seems to always get yellow carded or seems to do something wrong, get himself in the wrong position, right? Uh, so, and and uh, Fide's Lele Iwasa, he's not that young, I think. I'm pretty sure he's 27. 27. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yep. So he's not exactly, you know, a fresh kid, right? Yep. He has got some experience, right? He's just, um, you know, he's... He, he just hasn't played for the Wallabies. He hasn't been caught up to to Wallabies level yet. Which you know that's what happened with Richie Arnold. This is Richie Arnold's first um, crack at at the Wallabies, right? So uh, and even Skelton being called back in from um, playing in France and things like that. So I don't. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him up as one that's necessarily playing. You know, a pick that's aimed towards the British and Irish Lions or the well maybe the British and Irish Lions, but definitely not towards the next World Cup. Um, you know, I guess for me, yeah, the Pete Samu one, I don't know what the story is there, but it just seems like he's just not in Eddie's plans. He's just not, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't fit the way that Eddie's playing or wants to play. Um, yeah, I guess for me, if, if, if I was really trying to, I guess the, the big question about, is he trying to win for this World Cup or for the next World Cup is where you have to look at the first, is, is in the first five. Right, is Donaldson over Cooper? Do I think that Quade Cooper would give 
the Wallabies a better chance to win this World Cup compared to Ben Donaldson? Yes. Mm. I think that is where you can really see his hand being played, where the fact that he's gone, look, we we don't need Cooper in the squad. We, we're confident enough in Donaldson. Um, I think that's more to give Donaldson experience than it is saying that he thinks Donaldson's better than Cooper. Yeah. And that, that you know, and that's that's fine. But even even in that, Donaldson is going to get experience in these pool games to be able to be to play better. You know, I think that his season at the Waratahs was quietish. I think it was probably a little bit underrated, as you even pointed out to me during one of our uh, live broadcasts. And then towards the end of the season, he definitely seemed to take off a bit. Um, particularly when he had Parisi and Jorgensen. Once those two sort of went down, um, it was put on him a bit, and it was a little bit limited in what he could do, but he still played well. Um, and, you know, with Fichetti injured as well, like those are three big weapons that um, were, were neutralized uh, for, for Donaldson. So I think, I, I think today Cooper represents a better chance than Donaldson. By the end of the pool stages... Maybe not. We'll see how Ben Donaldson plays. You know, he, he could surprise us all. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the biggest one where I see evidence of playing for 2027 as opposed to playing for 2023. The other picks, though, uh, you know, I hear what you're saying about Pete Samu, but I don't know if that's necessarily playing for the next World Cup as it is playing for what how Eddie wants to play. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't read his mind, unfortunately. Uh, that's <laughs> no the biggest one, can. one. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest one that I see. Uh, it, it's really the Donaldson one that is the one that is of any of the picks. That's the main one that is playing for the next World Cup. The others, though, I think you, it's, it'd be hard to argue their position in the squad. Yeah, I, I think I could make some value valuable arguments there. I just think I think you could like I that's and that's the that's the question to me. Like I look. Again, I've got the luxury of being an All Black su- supporter where every single squad we're selecting for a World Cup is the squad. So I can sit there and go, look, we're not selecting a player for the next World Cup where we're selecting them because they're the best players in the country at the moment. I think you could make enough arguments against some of the players there um, that you could find a like-for-like replacement or slightly better. Like, let's say uh, Zane Nongor, Nongor again, Hasn't had a fantastic start to his international career, but I think he's like 21, 22. Um, yeah, very young. And I think you could find a like-for-like, like, if not slightly better, from an older person um, or even a Tom Lambert or something like that that we've discussed before. Again, I think injuries have forced this more upon mm. Eddie, and I would have loved to know, hey, Hooper fully fit, Quaid fully fit, hadn't done his Achilles last year, what... Yeah his mindset would be. I just, I think there is, there is, it'll be really interesting. If it, if it all falls to shit, say you get knocked out in the group stages, he's at least got a moderate yeah. argument to make. If it goes really well, when you go for all the way to the final, well, fuck, he's made all the right selections and I'll shut my mouth. And so many other people will, like Sonny Bill, who seems to think that he knows exactly what's going through Eddie's head and exactly well, how rugby works. And well, Sonny Bill's also talking about loyalty. So I think we, <laughs> pretty much everything coming out of his mouth. Interesting point when you brought up Tom Lambert. Him and Zane Nongo are the same age, which is I knew that was the case, and I don't, I don't think, but I think you could find a prop in Australia who is better than Zane Nongo. 
is what I'm saying. Who would you, who would you who would you pick though? Like who is this prop that's better than him? Well, I'm not going to lie. I don't know who the six-string prop should be of Australian rugby. Yeah, but, exactly. That's the. But that's I'm the sure thing. I, I could th- find someone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there is though. I don't. I don't know that there is. I don't know. And that that's just how Australian rugby is at the moment. And I think people are looking at the squad and saying, "Oh, it's so inexperienced." It's like, okay, but yeah, but where else were the players coming from? Right? Where are we going to get these players? All right. What I'm going to do? I'm going to find an alternative squad. And I'm making alternative squad for the Wallabies. Yeah. Not none injury based, like they can't be injured if they're just not yeah. selected. And we'll see, and I'll put it up into the poll and see if it's any of them deserve to be based off the second string. I'll make a second string Wallaby squad from this thirty three and yeah. see who who the who the people select. Well, I'd be interested in that because again, similar to you, and I'm even an Australian rugby fan, even I don't know where some of these or they slip to the back of my mind. You know, it's they're not, but they're the fact that it's because they're not the names that leap out on the yeah, page to you. Totally. Um, but those players are just as important as the ones whose names do. Um, Shall we move yeah, on to? Yeah, it's good. I guess the the last thing I'll say on this is just, it's. I think the. I am. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about the first five position, right? Um, but the. It, it, but it, I, guess, I guess it's it's for me. I have been disappointed in in Quaid. I think he's played himself out of that jersey, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's the case as well. That when I sat there and was like, "Why wouldn't you play Ben Donaldson more?" All I can say is he was legitimately wanting to give Quaid the best opportunity to yeah. crack the jersey, and he just didn't do enough. Um, let's move on though. A man who may not be playing much of the World Cup. Owen Farrell, yep. another red card for a shoulder to the head incident. Yeah. Um, it was a shoulder charge in the end, and it connected to the head in the England-Wales game. Was originally a yellow card with the bunker or whatever they're calling it, reviewing it, and it getting upgraded to the red card, which it was a red card in all uh, facets, yep. but this is about his second or third one at least. He's already had one that got downgraded for the way he responded to it and doing the tackling school that he got three weeks all up for. So people were starting to speak about six weeks, which I think would only see him back for the last pool game or the quarterfinal potentially. Yeah, look, if he misses three, then he's missing the first pool game, which is arguably their most important, England versus Argentina. Yep. Um, and if he misses... Six, I think he misses all pool games as well. So, yeah, that yeah. could be that's a very interesting one to watch. Um, he will, yeah, he will miss all pool games. Which yep. his original ban for that last one was six, it got put down to two for like the good behavior and doing everything, and then got put down one more for, for doing the tackling school. So, my assumption will be this will be six, he won't get any downgrade of the two, but if he goes to tackling school, he may get it down to five which yeah. will see him play the last game against Samoa, which is still a, not what you want to be going into a World Cup with preparation like that. Yeah, yeah. Look, is what it is. I did hear something interesting about this game, though. Um, I saw in one of the myriad of rugby threads that I had on my social media that Owen Farrell got particularly fired up during this game thanks to a sledge from Dan Bigger from Wales. This is one of my favourite sledges of all time. Um, so apparently... Dan Bigger said to Owen Farrell while they were, you know, there was an altercation going on, your mum's shagging the Ireland head coach. 
which of course is very funny because <laughs> Owen Farrell's dad is in fact the uh, head coach of the Highland rugby team. And apparently that really set Owen Farrell off. Um, and I just thought that if, if that's true, that's fucking brilliant. That that's is golden. Fucking brilliant. And it's just like, what do you, what do you say to that? Like, it's, I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah. That is a gotcha moment. <laughs> yeah. That is an incredible sledge. Incredible uh, sledge. Good. More like that from you, Dan Bigger. Uh, we yeah. love that. Um, Another team that's had a lot of chat about recently, as you said, actually mentioned earlier in the podcast, Hooper and Cooper, Eddie's floated the idea that they might be back. It's because squads have been named, but they're not formalised until like August 28th or something like that, like the when all the warm-up games are done. Because injuries can happen during warm-up games, yep. they're pretty free-flowing with movements. But... The South African coach did a lot, very something very similar. Nine bar to um, Eddie Jones by saying Andre Pollard and Lucano Arm are both, you know, in and abouts, could be used at the World Cup still. Now, there's been a conspiracy that that one of the South African scrum halves, because they've selected four, is going to go down injured in one of the first pool games, and then, alas, here comes Andre Pollard to save the day and lead South Africa to another World Cup. Now, a, I don't think it's that deep where yeah. South Africa are only going to care that much. B, I don't like that this is even a thing. Like, I would rather all the teams, you know, September 1st have to name their squad and all the teams name their squad. And, you know, maybe even if you do it like, you know, one all in one day and then next all in the next day and you do 10 every on the hour for 10 hours or something like that, some cool way of pull, doing it. Pull. Pull per day or two pull per, per day. day. Yeah, exactly. Pull per day is even better. That would be really cool because I just want to know the final squads. I don't like. I hate the idea that they could change now. I get injuries in and out totally. Like I've got no problem with it. I believe them all, but don't name a squad with the idea that oh yeah, Hondro Pollard's actually going to come back and play for us. Like I'm sure they haven't done it, uh, Jacks Nine Bar, but I just don't like the idea of it. I like the idea of hey, yeah. this is our squads. The NRL, like we've always talked about, do this really well. Teamless Tuesdays, you name your teams. It may change, but at least you know who's named. It's the same with even State of O. They do the same thing. And yeah, you might have who's coming off the bench and who's starting. You know, changes in the NRL, but at least in the squads and teams are named. So I just would wish we'd, we'd do it that way. Fair enough. Alrighty. Last point for the day. As we're getting closer to the World Cup, I believe it's like 27 days away now, which is... It's less than that, actually. I've got the, the ticker up here. It is 25 days, 10 hours, 57 minutes, and 20 seconds now. So, 25-ish, plus minus one day away. Um, we thought, let's have a look at the player we are most looking forward to seeing play at this Rugby World Cup. Now... Um, it can be from your team, it can be from any team, um, but a player we are interested in seeing at this World Cup. Husey, would you like to start or would you like me to start? Uh, I'll start. Uh, I'm kind of split. I've got two. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any surprise, uh, but Carter Gordon and Max Jorgensen <laughs> are my two. I can't really, I can't, I can't pick them apart. I give a slight edge to Jorgensen just because he's a Waratah, uh, but they are representative of the next wave of Wallabies um, and potentially Wallaby greats. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what they can do at the highest level of competition in world rugby. 
Yeah, look, I kind of set this question up because I knew you'd say um, Jorgensen. Um, yeah. Which, you know what? Fair enough. Yeah, um, they have been playing out of their skin. And uh, does it, I, 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 we didn't talk much about him. I didn't mention his name at all. Um, but I think Jorgensen actually is one of the actual selections that I do like um, because that last wing outside back spot was kind of no man's land. Like I was like, do you select Tom Wright? Do you, do you not? Um, but I mean, one change I definitely make is right in over Vunavalu. I still don't see the Vunavalu. <laughs> Which is actually up. funny um, because I, I need to, I've got it. We sometime at the start of this year or the end of last year did, named our Wallabies back line if it was the end of the World Cup final and the day beforehand, and I named Vunavalu in the team. And you know what's actually funny? I think I, I, if I remember correctly, the only position we're really wrong in is 10. Because mm. I think you went, we both went like Nick White, then I think yeah. like we both went Noah Lolosio or Quay Cooper. Then we would have had Karevi, um, probably Ikatao, which he would have been in there. Um, and then I think you went Marky Mark and Kotobeti, I don't know who we went at fullback, but probably Callaway. And I oh, think yeah. I went Kotobeti and Vunavalu with Callaway at the back. Um, so we were pretty damn close, uh, to be honest. Um, I, my player that I am most looking forward to, uh, I'm so high on this team, it's becoming ridiculous. Uh, but it is Fiji, and it is Waisea Naikalivu, who is their captain, 13. He's... What I, I, I he scored a great try against uh, Japan, but this team's full of superstars, and you know you have all of these outside backs, all of these wingers, these superstar athletes, and this guy's the captain in the number thirteen jersey, and is one of those, but goes under the radar. And I think Fiji are going to smash this tournament, and he will be earning a big payday after this tournament. Um, so watch out for Naya Naya Kalavu. I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. I'm probably butchering it, as I do with all names. But watch out for him. But still two weeks until we see any more, either of our teams back in action, I believe. No, I lie. Yep. Wait, when are you back in action? 28th of August. Yes, I'm 26th, you're 28th. Um, which, you know, is that, is that our last, it is both of our last games. That's the only yep. warm-up games we yeah, have You're left. the 26th at 4.30 a.m. against South Africa. I am Monday the 28th at 1.45 a.m. against France. Excellent. Wow. Two weeks away from those. That'll be exciting. We'll be really close. That'll be like, what, 13-ish days out from 12-ish, 11 days out from a Rugby World Cup. Um, Stay tuned for our second challenge on the Sports Booth Bledisloe uh, coming out. We will be doing something very soon. And if it goes to a decider, um, so what we're going to do, I've decided, Husey, is, or this will obviously happen annually, um, but it'll be two slash three challenges. If you win the second one, then obviously we don't need to do a third. If I win the second one, then we do need to do a third for the decider. Um, and I will be getting a trophy made up for this. So, um, nice. you know, be prepared to come with your A game for our next challenge. Uh, other than that, Absolutely. thank you for joining us on today, uh, discussing pretty much the Wallaby squad because there's so much to discuss and break down. Yeah. We try, today we really tried to get inside Eddie's brain, didn't we? We like. We did a deep dive. You came from the left ear, I came from the right ear, and we just got in there. Yeah, dangerous game to be playing. But it is. We gave it our best shot. 
We did. Uh, thank you for joining us. We'll be back again next week, same time, same place. We'll see you later. Goodbye. Peace.